Are we ready to get started? Drum roll. Hey, uh, John Kirby, I think I know most of you guys, but uh, some unadvertised specials. That's right, Smart Alex, Smart Alex. Some unadvertised specials are uh, that um, Ken is going to be back with us at the 10 and 1110 next Sunday, September 29th. So if you really like Ken, let people know. If you don't, you know, like, let people know you don't like to come. Either way, invite people. So, uh, so he's going to be on this whole uh, baggage series, which is a great tie into what we're doing here. Yeah. So thanks for doing the work, guys. I know, you know, probing your hearts, pricking your hearts, not always fun, but thanks for doing the work because there's a big payoff. And uh, Ken is also staying extra on October 14th. So like the 13th is a Sunday, right? Do I have those dates right? Yeah, the 13th is a Sunday. The 14th is a Monday. So he's going to stay that day because we've got a golf outing for Belize, and he's looking for some guys that might want to play with him. Can't be Matt because you got your own foursome for that. But um, but anyway, if some of you guys want to uh, come out to that, I've got these flyers. I'll just put them up over here by the pens. And uh, let's let's roll. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for being here and inspiring us. Absolutely. And uh, I've actually heard some of what Chad has done, and it is an exceptional series. If you haven't jumped in on that, definitely do that. Um, just thanks for being here. There's there's something that's just really intrinsically good about being around other guys. And if this is your first week, you weren't here last week, that is okay. Um, we're going to start off where we said we were, and there were 11 questions that were asked to just kind of help us uh, look in a mirror if you will, look in a mirror at who we really are. And so what I want to do is I'm going to open this up in prayer, but I want you to look at those questions, and I want every guy at the table, and if you weren't here last week, please feel free to go last, um, but I want you to look at those questions, or you can even just chime in on one of the questions somebody else at your table does. And it's really just to say, hey, this question really hit me, and uh, here's kind of what I was thinking about that question. So uh, with that, what page is that, is the 11 questions on? 2223. Let me pray for us, and then we're gonna uh, we're just gonna dive into the questions for about uh, eight to ten minutes, and then we'll look at this week's, which kind of uh, let's what, what's the the word? God, my brain is just fried today. It piggybacks on on that that eleven questions. Let me pray. God, thank you for these men, and Lord, we just we just come before you right now. Just help us to see what we don't see. Help us to, to feel what we don't naturally feel that's going to help us become who you created us to be so we can experience uh, this life the way you designed it to the fullest. Be the men that you made us to be, the, the, the friend, the husband, the dad that you made us to be. And, and Lord, thank you for your grace and that you come with grace and then truth and that we, we really, we can't do any wrong in your eyes because you've already paid for all that. So Lord, thank you for this time. And uh, just make this a place of safe transparency and, and help us to share as much as we need to uh, in this time. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, just do that. Go around. And, and if you wouldn't mind, uh, say your name one more time. Introduce yourself so that uh, everybody at the table knows who you are. And even if you think you know, do that anyway. So we've got about eight minutes.
All right, you're going to have some more time to finish up if you didn't get to finish up, but we're going to go ahead and dive into tonight. Um, was there a question at your table that popped up more than the others? Yes, no, maybe so. No? Just kind of a variety, that's cool. Um, was, was there one question, and I'm not going to ask you to share what it was, but there was one question that really hit you and went, wow, that one made me think. Did anybody have one of those? All right, yeah, I had, I had a couple of them on there going, man, I, I didn't even think about that depth. If you switch over to the next page, on page 25, did any of those numbers, of those of you who read through those, does any of those numbers just pop out at you? And, and how many of you actually multiplied it out and thought, oh, I wonder if I'm above or below average on that one? Did anybody else do that? Uh, <laughs> uh, how many of them did you think, man, I'm doing way better than that? And a couple of those, right on. Um, I, I loved going through that from that perspective. That was, that was a lot of fun to see that. But there's a couple that, that last one, it hit me, not in a conviction way, but in a 3 to 5% of people who give to their church actually follow a biblical model of tithing, that is giving a tenth of their one's income. That shocked me. That really shocked me that if we say, I want God in every part of my life, and, and I think it really speaks to the idea of control and, and, and just identifying those pieces. What really shocked me is I did a little bit of research, and there, there was a pastor who did research on this, and he said that, I'm gonna, I'll ask it this way, what percentage of pastors, now these are guys up front teaching the Word of God, what percentage of pastors actually follow a biblical model of tithing? What do, what do you think it is? Somebody say, 25%. Anybody else want to throw one out? 12 to 15. Do you think it's more than 25 or less than 25%? One, two, three, less. It's actually right out about 50%. 50%, but that means 50% don't. It's like, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I'm not going to so much do it. So, and I think that's where the breakdown comes when it comes to God wants us to get real with him. And I'm really actually pretty pumped about tonight because we're going to throw a look at three men in Scripture, very iconic men in Scripture that didn't have it together and that had the same feelings that we have and the same uh, overview that we have. And, and I got to tell you, from last week, my main takeaway was I'm not alone. Uh, it really just hit me that I'm not the only one who's struggling out there. I'm not the only one who's dealing with this. And even this week as I was reading through, uh, I'm kind of reading through the book of James, and it says we all stumble in many ways. And I'm like, okay, that, that's everybody, and we're all stumbling. And I think one of Satan's biggest lies is you're the only one struggling with this. You're the only one, and you don't have it together. And what I love about getting the chance to just talk it out a little bit around tables is to just kind of take that power away from Satan. And that's kind of what we're going to get to look at tonight. So on page 28, we're going to look at the empty promises. And this week is just kind of laying the, if you, the ramp, if you will. And we're going to jump off next week into a game plan of what do we do with it now that we've identified it, which I'm super excited about. But right out of the gate, the manhood traps and sin have a deeper source within us rather than simply being a service or an external decision we make. In other words, it's not just the behavior. There's something below the surface that we got to get with. And one of the quotes from last week, when we take a good thing and make it the greatest thing, that's when it becomes a sinful thing. And to define an idol as anything that's a substitute for God, that we put in the, in the place of God there. That, that second blank, and this is kind of a, a refresh, 
life change and true transformation will not happen until we can learn to identify and deal with the roots of sin. The roots of sin. And last week we looked at three areas. And when I first looked at these, and even when I looked back at them, I thought, there's nothing wrong with these. But when they're out of balance or we take them on ourselves is when we really start struggling and experiencing the grind and the drain and the out of whack. And that is control. When we're, when we're trying to own the security and the power and, and we, we find that we have a deep-rooted need for that versus letting God take that, that's where it gets out of balance. Significance. Man, I want to be significant. I want God to use me to be significant. But when it becomes to I need approval and I need recognition and that becomes my idol, if you will, or the comfort. I, I've actually been convicted over the last several years of just not taking that day off and not honoring God with a, a day off and just doing too much. And and God's working in my life in that. But it's it's this idea of just... We always need to just be chill, and I don't want to face any responsibilities at all. That's the, the negative side of that. Now, if you, if you look at number four, I want us to put a star, and if you've got a highlighter, highlight this verse, because it encapsulates this idea of idols and or the core. And it says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot that can hold no water and that's what he's talking about it's it's saying you know what when we go on our own effort to own it and be it and it becomes us then we're basically saying i'm i'm god and i'm going to figure this out and i'm in control and i'll be significant and and i'm going to figure the whole thing out and it says man it it doesn't hold water it's it's a cup with a big hole in the bottom and it's never going to be filled and so with that Number five, idols lure us away from the best that God has for us in His grace. I really have come to realize God, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, He meant it. When He says, I came that you would have life and life to the full, we will not have the full abundance of life apart from knowing God personally and apart from letting Him in these areas of our lives. And what was so encouraging to me is I said that I love that I'm not alone in this. The second part of that I love is that God already knows. He He's not shocked when I come and go, man, I'm struggling with this. He's like, I know. And I'm here to give you the power to see that in the proper light and experience the fullness in that area. And I'll share a specific personal example in a minute. So he wants us to have his best. If I could put it this way, and I think I've shared this example before, but I've got a good buddy. His name's Ralph Howe. And Ralph plays, he played professional golf for several years. He won uh, what was known as the U.S. Public Lynx, which was an automatic bid into the Masters. So he won that and got to play in the Masters, played on a couple mini tours and played a little bit on the PGA. And uh, he was telling me a story. We're having dinner one time. He said, man, he says, Ken, I, I said, tell me, tell me about coming up through the ranks. I don't know what it's called now, but it was the Nike tour or the one of those small tours at the time. And he was doing really well. And he was above the line and he was going to get his card. And he said one weekend, it was uh, he was playing really well. And the rumor was that Jack Nicholas's son was playing in that same tournament. 
And he says if his son made the cut, Jack was going to come caddy for his son that weekend. And Ralph and Jack's son were number one and two in the tournament. And he said Saturday morning he walks up the tee, and there's Jack Nicholas standing on the tee with his son's bag. And I was just, he was like, oh, my goodness. He said the first, first several holes, he's just like, Jack Nicholas is watching me tee off. You know, he said he was just giddy. Now, you don't know Ralph, but he is, he's one of the most practical jokers I've ever met. And he's just got a great sense of humor. He said he was standing on the green one time, kind of looking at his putt, and he thought it was his caddy. A guy walks behind him and grabs his ball to clean it off for the putt. And he caught it out of the peripheral, and he's like, that's not my caddy. Jack Nicholas had taken his ball and was cleaning his ball. And he said, I totally forgot about the putt. He's like, Jack Nicholas is cleaning my golf ball. And he said, I cannot believe I did this. But he walked back by, and he handed me my ball, took three steps. He said, hey, Jack. He goes, yeah. He said, you missed a spot. And threw it back to him. <laughs> he said, I know. I know. I can't believe I did it either. He said, but I finished the round. And then he said, it happened. He said, I, I had a, a really good round, and uh, his son had a good round too. But he says, I'm going to my car in the parking lot. I said, the junior tour, the mini tour, uh, there's, there's not a lot of press. I mean, they're nice, and they're, they're nice to us. But he says, the, I'm going to my car, and I hear somebody yelling, hey, hey, Ralph, hey, Ralph. And he says, I look, and running across the parking lot is Jack Nicholas. And he says, hey, Ralph, have, have you got a minute? And he said he came up and he said, he said inside, he said, I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, no, you know, I really got to, there's a, there's a Whopper at Burger King waiting for me and I really got to get to that. And he says, Ralph, he says, have you got a minute? He goes, yeah. And he says, uh, well, it, it, it only take about three or four minutes. He says, but I saw some things in your game and I'd love to share them with you that might help you out. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, I, I got as much time as you need. And, and he, he said he just kind of spoke into me about my game. He's like, it's unbelievable. And he said, I got in my car. And he was like, man, I, he says, what do you think I did with that, that advice? He said, man, it went straight into my heart going, man, I got to go practice this and this and this. He said, it went to my heart. And he says, as I pulled away, God just kind of whispered in my ear. He says, you know what? Every day, Ralph, I'm waiting, looking at your real life and going, hey, I see some things in your life I'd really love to help you out with. Do you have a minute? Oh, uh, no, you know what? I really got to get to that, that Egg McMuffin at McDonald's, you know, and I'm just like, wow. I mean, that hit me between the eyes. And, and that's really what we're going to look at here for a minute, to, to not buy that lie that, that God's not interested in our struggles. He's not interested in our true significance and life to the full. So with that, let's dive in. Uh, the next one down, we're going to look at three men. The lessons of the struggles of idolatry that these three different men had. Number one is Adam, the idol of paradise. The God created the Garden of Eden. And he, he really bought the original lie. And the original lie is this, that we must go around or away from God rather than to God to meet our deepest needs. You know what? God's in a box, he's in a part, but if I really want what I desire, I got to run around him, away from him, or, or get away from God in order to do that. That's the big lie. And you see two of them there. You'll be like God. If you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. And then second one, the fruit is a delight. 
And, and Satan's got an incredible way of getting our eyes off of God to say that the best is actually bad and good and bad is actually good. And we can get so confused in that in that moment because we're broken. And, and Adam was the, the first, the original broken man. And that number two there, the lie offered by the deep idols, there's a better way than what God has provided. There's a better way than God's provided. We look at a second man, and that is King Solomon, chasing the idol of fantasies. And as we go through these, you can you can kind of just be honest with yourself, going, which one of these really hits me? The idol of wisdom and knowledge. It says in Ecclesiastes one thirteen, Solomon chased wisdom and knowledge, and he said, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out. All wisdom, all that is done under the earth. And he would eventually say this. You look at that next verse. He said, I have acquired great wisdom surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I had applied my heart to know wisdom and to know the madness and folly. And he would end up saying in the next, and underline this. I have perceived that this is also is but striving after the wind. I know more than anybody, and it's just empty. If it's just knowledge for the sake of knowledge's sake, it's empty. And then he goes on to pleasure. And he said to my heart, Come, and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Brother had 1,000 women at his beck and call. Wives and concubines, 1,000. If anybody experienced pleasure at the level of just ridiculousness, it was him. And in that way, he says, I found it to be vanity. And number five, excessive alcohol. Uh, Solomon found that drunkenness was not a solution to happiness. And one of the quotes that they give uh, the guys who, who wrote this material, it says that 43% of men, all men, 43% of men, will binge drink at some point during a year. It's like, I need, an, I need an escape. I need an escape. And the problem is, it doesn't go away. Whatever the problem was, the issue was, it doesn't go away. And you wake up kind of sick after it. So uh, that's one of it. It delays the inevitable. Accomplishments. Solomon tried to put his hope and identity into in this significance idol. I will create parks and palaces and I will I will spend wealth on creating for others. And he's literally like that didn't do it either. I it didn't do it either. Wealth. He says in Ephesians, I'm sorry, not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 5:10, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income this also is vanity. Money is inanimate. And, and I, I would dare say the vast majority of us at some point in life, and you don't have to raise your hand, have thought, man, if I just had more of this, I'd be okay. It's the lottery mentality. If, I just, if you win the lottery, man, then it's, then it's all right. And what's, what's funny to me about the lottery is when it hits like 100 million, people go out in droves and buy lottery tickets. When it's at like 5 million, you know, that's not enough. You know, that's not enough. But if it gets to 100, then, then it's going to be worth it. 
And I don't know if you've ever done any reading on those. Google lottery winners and just read some. It's, it's amazing. Most of them end up completely bankrupt and miserable. And the ones who aren't bankrupt are even more miserable. Because they don't, literally, I think the number one thread is, I don't have anybody I trust. Everybody wants something from me. And, I, and they become jaded and they become dark. And it, they said it's the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And I'm like, wow, it really is an idol. It really is a lie. And then we go down to, and I mentioned this, the, the idea of sex, the conquest, the, the pretend. A thousand women at his disposal. And he says, I found it all vanity. Now, when I was uh, going through the ordination process, somebody finally convinced me to do that. One of the questions they asked is, what is your besetting sin? And I'm like, what kind of sin is that? And they said, well, we all have a tendency towards one of these type idols. And I was like, well, mine would definitely be lust. I mean, I, it's just my mind can go there in a heartbeat. And they said, well, how do you deal with that? I said, I, I have to just ask God for help. I tried for years through behavior modification. Don't be in the wrong places. Put filters on your computer. Do all this. And, and I did, and the lust didn't go away. And it's like, okay, Lord, help. How do I get beyond this? This past weekend, I think God is doing a great work there. I was in Athens, Georgia yesterday. They had a football game there last night. And uh, I was walking around Athens. And I, I don't know if it's because I have a daughter now. I don't know what it is. But that's shifted completely. I'm walking around going, you know what? I feel bad for the city of Athens. Because about a third of all the women cannot afford to buy a bra. It's just amazing. <laughs> and I just wanted to go up to these girls. And, and I, was not, I was not lusting at all. I was like, I'm so sorry. Your dad cannot buy you a bra. Let's go get a bra. That was where my mind was. I'm like, Lord, thank you. I didn't do that. I mean, but I, I, I thought it. Or I would not have been here tonight. I'd have been with the drunks in jail. But uh, the idea of I, I, I can't, I can't win this. I can't get past this. And to turn to God and say, God, I need your help in this area. And not God never comes condemning. He literally comes and he says, I know. Let me, let me let you experience the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And now you're unleashing that when you confess that that's, that's my struggle, whatever that is. That's what he wants to do in those areas. And number, number nine was the idea of work. Solomon found that work makes for a terrible God, other, God's another broken cistern. If all I'm doing is working and working and working in order to find that fulfillment, it fulfills just like sex, just like booze, just like winning the lottery for a moment. And then the, the emptiness is greater. And I, I love to work. God created work, but it's in his model. And then there's Paul, the third one. And this is, this is one of the smartest guys who wrote a, a big part of the New Testament. But there can be this idol of self-righteousness. Paul a couple times, and I love what he writes there. I won't quote it all, but in Philippians 3, he reads his resume, and he's talking to those who are Pharisees, and he goes, hey, if you think you got it, I got it even more. A Hebrew of Hebrews, born in the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, legally, I've got it made as a, as a citizen, as a person. I've got the resume built. 
And then he puts it in its place. And he says, and I consider all of this loss, worse than loss, compared to knowing Christ. Because Christ's power, that's what I need. And I just, I love the way he got that in his mind. Uh, And he says that in uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 8. But whatever was gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. And that next one down, your deep idol of control and significance can manifest itself in religious disciplines, duty, and or more church. And I've seen, I've seen this one as well. Guys that get poured in and they, they get a position and then they, they realize I might know more up here about the Bible. And they start hiding behind that. And they start kind of putting their idols in the back and never dealing with them. And that's where the the collapse happens. I've seen this happen with friends of mine in ministry. That they looked so great on the outside and they made it their idol. And then it all came crumbling down. Because that's the idol that they chose. So in conclusion, it's helpful to see that as a man, we are not, and there's my favorite word of the night, we are not alone. All of us struggle with this stuff. It's not original and it's not unique. Adam had it. Solomon had it. Paul dealt with it. And these are, these are the icons of our faith. All good things become sinful things if we make them the main thing. And Solomon's conclusion was, enjoy life, don't worship life. Worship God do what he says and that's where fullness and abundance and joy is going to come from so with that I want to share a piece at the end of tonight that is a modern day Solomon and it's a powerful powerful testimony of one of our contemporaries somebody who's alive today that had this experience. But before we do that, I do want to have the questions. We'll have a little bit more time at the end than we normally do, but we'll still finish on time. But I want to take about 20, 25 minutes, and I want to go through the questions. And I'm not going to confuse you with the questions this week because they're, the answers are pretty, um, pretty uh, conducive to the, the table discussions we have. So kind of spend about four or five minutes on each question. And if you get all the way to the bottom, great. If not, that's okay. But around your tables, take about 20, 25 minutes. And I'll give you a a three or four minute warning if you want to try to get to one of the questions. And then we're going to see an amazing story. And uh, I'm going to launch for next week. It'll be awesome. So go around those. Take one question at a time and discuss it at your tables. Go. We're going to have a chance to, uh, you can linger afterwards as long as you want to, especially if you didn't get a chance to finish up all the questions. But I wanted, I wanted to leave a few minutes at the end to be able to see a real life example of this, because here's the deal. Um, I, I can't think of the, the passage right off the top of my head, but all sin is pleasurable for a season. But when it moves into the idle stage, it, it, that's where it becomes where we realize it's it's never enough, and then that it's consuming, and then it's out of balance, and then it destroys. And I I had a buddy, I've had a couple of buddies that have kind of 
gone down the, the lust trail and have lost it, basically lost it all. And uh, in a moment of candid, after they'd kind of been restored and figured it out and got back on with life, I said, you know, honestly, be honest with me. Was it worth it? And he's like, well, absolutely, it's not worth it. And I said, well, well, why did you go down the road? He says, because the intensity, the intensity of it is you're not going to get this intensity anywhere else. And, and then it becomes consuming, and then you just rationalize, and then you lose all bearings, and that's all you can focus on until it's too late. Because in the end, it ends in destruction. And so the, the, I think there's a thought that, well, you know, don't sin because sin's, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Well, it's not worth it, but why do people get stuck in it? And there's a, a modern-day version of this, and, and I just wanted us to watch it. It's about five or six minutes, and um, then I'll kind of give us where we're going next week. But check this out. This is, this is modern-day King Solomon. I wanted to be like my father. I wanted to have a nice car like he had private jet to, to fly on when we went on vacation. I wanted to be able to bless people like he did. I wanted to be respected like he was. Uh, I saw my father occasionally. He was busy building waste management at the time. His life was uh, filled with hard work, with travel, with interesting people. He had a certain amount of power. It was a life that, that seemed exciting to me. incredible amount of money working with Wayne Sr. there. I began to have wealth to fly, to have a nice sport fishing yacht, to live in a big home, to have an incredible amount of disposable income. We owned three sports teams and drank and drank in excess. Went to the kind of clubs that you didn't tell your mother that you went to. I commanded an audience. I said whatever came to my mind, whether it was to you or to your wife, self-focused. Do what I want. all the things that the world had to offer, but just never getting full, never being satisfied, never being able to push away and say, okay, that's enough. Suddenly I was lost. Happy, but unfulfilled. Something was missing. I got a call from a couple friends and they said, hey, Junior, we got a chance to go on a nuclear submarine for three days and cruise from South Carolina to Florida. Do you want to go? I said, done, we're there, we'll take our plane. And I was introduced to Captain Brad Fleetwood McDonald. We became incredible friends. He took me on his submarine, so I started taking him out of my fishing boat, and I began to ask him questions about leadership. I thought, who better than a man that commands 120 gentlemen underneath the ocean for six months at a time. And every time I asked him about leadership, he had his Bible. And he had this incredible peace about him that was unlike any that I'd ever seen in all the people that I had met through Wayne Sr. And one day I got up my courage and I asked him, I said, well, Captain Brad, why are we so different? Junior, he said, you have a hole in your heart. It's consuming everything that you're trying to put in. 
everything you do is trying to fill that hole. And the only way you're going to fill that hole is with a relationship with God. Could that be it? Could it be that easy? All these things that I've been chasing, all these places that I'm going, a relationship with God. Well, I went home and I tried to find a church. The pastor gave an incredible sermon and at the end, before he closed, said, do you think that there's a reason that God allowed you to be born? Do you think that he has a plan for your life? I felt like he was talking right at me instead of the 4,000 people that were there. I stood up out of my chair like I was launched out by springs, and I can still hear this voice inside of me that said, Junior, sit down, you look so silly. But there was no way. I made my way to the, down the road to the aisle and forward to the front of this church that I'd never been to before, and I fell to my knees. And I began to cry. I cried and I listened to that pastor and he said repeat the simple words and ask Jesus into your heart and I did I told Jesus that I was sorry that I loved him and that I wanted to know what this plan for my life was I wanted to be in this personal relationship with him if he wanted to be in it with me it's power not Junior's power God's power, the Holy Spirit's power, the power to change. I went home and I tried to explain to my wife what happened. She looked at me and she said, I don't know what happened, but I'm worried. She told me at one point that I'd been abducted by aliens. I didn't know what to tell her. All I knew is that I was indeed a different person. Success for me is that one day when I die and I see Jesus, that he'll look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful son. I've been given such a gift based on the life that I lived, a second chance, a chance to follow Jesus, to go to heaven, to live an eternal life. And I know for certain that I'm going to live in heaven. My father is the kind of individual that keeps his feelings very close, but I wasn't sure that he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I got up the courage finally to lean over to my father and ask him, hey dad, have you ever prayed a prayer like that and asked Jesus into your heart? Yeah, I have. Success is knowing that those that you love will make heaven. That's true success. I'm Wayne Heisinger Jr. I am second. For all, and you know, when we have Christ in our heart, 
It doesn't mean the temptation goes away. It doesn't mean that that's not there anymore. And literally, it's still there, but we know how to tap in and how to say, okay, Lord. And when we do stumble, we do fall. It's, it's, it's turning to him and going, I agree with you. That was sin. That was wrong. That thought, that action, whatever it is. And, and it, just accepting what he's already done and saying, Lord, you've already forgiven that, but Lord, I, I genuinely don't want to struggle. I don't want to, I don't want to fall that way. And, and it's embracing and engaging God on that personal level. And next week, we're going to look at a, a, a very positive plan towards that. And I'm really excited about that. I want to give you a couple opportunities to look. There's on pages 34 and 35, there's two other stories, Brad Pitt and Tom Brady. And to just read what they say is pretty amazing. And then this is all optional, but also on 38 and 39, there's some more biblical characters and where they struggled and how that came out and what that looked like that may add a little bit to it. Uh, but the only part I'm going to ask about and where we're going to start next week is actually on page 41 and the, the truth about idols. And I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Out of all those truths about idols, which one sticks out most to you? And that's where we're going to start next week um, on page 42 or 1. I don't have my glasses, but oh well. It's right there with the big snake and the apple. Um, so just be looking through those and which one of those sticks out in your mind the most. Uh, to wrap up, I want to say thanks to the guys. If you've already paid for your book, that's awesome. There's a, a little basket out there. If you haven't and you want to and you can, do that. If, you, if it's not in your budget, that's fine. Just keep coming. Uh, if there's somebody else that you think, man, they, I, I need to invite my friend to this. The conversation is great. Next week is a perfect week to dive in. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the baggage series. Chad's been doing an incredible job on that. Uh, next week will be a step down, but it'll be uh, practical. So I'm looking forward to being a part of that. It's been too long since I've had a chance to be with you guys. But um, feel free to linger around. Yeah, John. Next week? Awesome. And the Sunday night game will be on, so we'll put the pizza in the game. So plan on lingering if you can. And uh, we'll we'll have some fun. Nice. Anytime. Yeah, that's right. And there's some microbreweries we usually bring in, and I talk to those guys tonight as well. So uh, it'll be a blast next week. Let me pray. But again, please feel free to hang out and linger. I just want to be very um, respectful of your time. And man, I really appreciate you coming in tonight. God, thank you for the, an opportunity to just be real. And Lord, I pray as, as we do that, you would literally, you say, iron sharpens iron. And Lord, continue to sharpen us through one another. Let us just take this one nugget, whatever that is, and, and say, what do I need to do to, to, to get better? And just, just depending on you more and experience your power and your abundant life more, whatever that is, as only your Holy Spirit can, bring it to each of our minds and hearts individually, where we literally walk away going, that was for me tonight. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do next week, but walk with us this week and continue to, to guide and direct us. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Guys, thanks for being here tonight.